Good morning. Well, I'll just introduce myself for um, anyone um, who doesn't know. My name's Simon. Uh, I'm uh, one of the leaders here at Jubilee, and I've just been asked this morning to uh, really speak about something that relates to uh, giving thanks for these babies and uh, praying for their parents. And uh, so I'm going to be looking, and we're going to be looking at this morning, um, a proverb. We're going to be looking at, and if you want to find it in your Bibles, you can. You don't need to, it's not very long. Proverbs 14 from verse 26 and 27. So if you want to look up in your Bible, you're more than welcome, but don't worry. It's only short and it'll be on the screen. Proverbs is, Proverbs is a book in, in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And it, it, it's a book that was kind of written and compiled some 2,500, 3,000 years ago. And it's full of wisdom for life. It's full of wisdom for work, for faith, for justice issues. It's full of wisdom for how we relate to others, how we relate in family. And it was, it was kind of a way that the Jewish people of the time could be helped to learn something about the ways and the wisdom of God. So I want to have a look at this proverb this morning and what it has to say about children, but, but I think there is much more that it has to say for all of us here. So here we go, Proverbs 14, 26 and 27. Whoever fears the Lord has a strong fortress... And for their children, it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. See, when, when the writer of the Proverbs says something about a strong fortress, something about a refuge, although it's not instantly kind of clear to us, I think it's something that we can relate to. See, a fortress kind of speaks of a resilient life, a life that can kind of stand against the day-to-day difficulties that we might face. A refuge is kind of like a safe place. It's a secure place that we might find. See, at the time that this was written, if a city had a strong fortress, it didn't mean that you were never going to be intact, attacked by invading armies. It just meant you were safe from invasion. And I guess, I guess all of us know, don't we, that life can kind of be a bit, well, bumpy sometimes. That's probably a, a pleasant way of putting it, isn't it? Things don't always go to plan. Things can happen that make life tough. But, but we all have a sense, don't we, that we want to know, what is it? What is it that helps us stand against these types of difficulties that we face? What is it that helps us? What is it that helps us get back up when we get knocked down? What is it when 
what is it that helps us? When life's problems attack us, we're not totally invaded. We're not totally consumed. What is it that produces that strong fortress? Is it money? Is it stuff and having stuff around us? Is it friends? Is it children? Yeah, as lovely as these children are that we prayed for this morning. And aren't they lovely? All of them. As, as much as they are lovely, that is not the answer that Proverbs gives. Okay, so let me use an example. Because I'm not sure our culture and our society has all the answers. You might have missed this week that on Monday, it was known as Blue Monday. Did anyone pick this up? Last Monday was Blue Monday. Can anyone tell me what Blue Monday was? It's a bit like Black Friday. Yeah, it's one of these newfangled things. I'm hesitant to let Andy answer it. Before he does, is there anyone else? <laughs> Come on then. Spot on, yes. It, it's the day that researchers, I don't know who's paid these researchers, that researchers have calculated is the most depressing day of the year. The mornings are still fairly dark and probably a bit cold. The excitement of Christmas has, has just faded. Um, it, it's, it's the day that we are most likely to have given up on our New Year's resolutions, if we made any. And what they say more importantly is people sense that they have little money. Or because of Christmas... Or even worse, that they see the amounting debt that they've got into over that time. And how does our culture tell us that we should combat this? What is one of the ways it says is coping with this? Well, I know because my email inbox started to get full on Monday with emails from shops and websites telling me to beat Blue Monday by buying their deals. Look, here's a typical article from Monday. Blue Monday deals to help you cheer you up on the most depressing day of the year. So their answer to the problem seems to be what helped cause the problem in the first place. Is that wisdom? I'm not sure. But there is something that this proverb says produces resilience, produces strength. It's the fear of the Lord. And, and that is a phrase that can seem quite confusing. See, when I was at school, if you were really bad, if you were really bad, you got sent to the headmaster. I can imagine Kevin sent a few people to the headmaster in his time. And do you know what? They would say, that will put the fear of God in you. You didn't want to go to the headmaster. And I, okay, I'm not old enough that they used to cane or anything like that. But it was a scary prospect. 
You see, when my mum and dad, I grew up in a Christian family. My mum and dad took me to church. And when I was young, they taught me about the love of God. I remember them teaching me about the kindness of God, the friendship of God. I don't, I don't specifically remember them telling me about the fear of the Lord. And do you know, whilst, whilst, I, whilst I can't remember when it was, there must have been a point in my life when I heard or, or read about fearing God. I thought God was my friend. I thought he was good. Why do I need to fear him? Well, I think it comes down to what we mean by fear and what the Bible here means by fear. And they are not the same thing. Okay, two things. Firstly, firstly, a healthy fear of things can be appropriate. If you got close to a headmaster and you saw what, what work they did, how hard they worked, what responsibility they had, actually, having a healthy respect, a healthy fear for them, it's not a bad thing. And particularly, the closer you get to something, you'll find that. Think of some powerful things. Think of the ocean. It's a magnificent thing, full of, full of power, full of life. But I tell you what, fishermen, sailors, the people who are most close to it, they will have the most respect for the ocean. But secondly, I think this, when we use the term fear, we usually mean it as something negative, something we're scared of, don't we? We do. That's not how the Bible means it here. Look, here's another proverb. Proverbs 28:14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. One translation puts it, happy. Happy. So the Bible can't mean it as a negative thing. And look what it says here from the, one of the Psalms. This is Psalm 130. It's another book in the Bible. Forgiveness comes from you. Therefore, you are feared. That's what the psalmist is saying about God. Let me read it again. Forgiveness comes from you. Therefore, you are feared. See, we would say it's someone who doesn't forgive. They're the people to be feared, not the people who do. Look, if I was playing football with Dave and uh, I fouled him and he didn't forgive me, hey, I'd be watching my back <laughs> all the rest of the match because he hasn't forgiven me. There's going to be a fear there. A negative fear. So, so, so if fear was a negative thing, if it was a bad thing, then surely forgiveness would decrease it, not increase it. So what does the Bible mean by the fear of the Lord? Well, fear in the Bible means to be overwhelmed 
to be controlled by something. Living in New York City, Tim Keller, a, a writer, a church leader, is someone who has probably seen people overwhelmed and controlled by all sorts of things. You will have done. In that big, huge city, you'll have seen it all. Money, fame, poverty, crime, busyness, loneliness. And this is what he says. He says this, To fear the Lord is to be overwhelmed with wonder before the greatness of God and his love. It means that because of his bright holiness and magnificent love, you find him fearfully beautiful. See, fear in the Bible is not a negative thing. In fact, it's a positive thing. So the more we understand and experience God's forgiveness and his kindness, and his grace, the more we are overwhelmed by his greatness. The more we fear him. But I guess the question still remains, why is this better than other things in helping us stand in the midst of difficulties? Why is this a better fortress than Money than my hard work? Well, I think the answer is in the second part of this proverb. It says this, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. It's not talking about a fountain that you can turn off or on again. It's not talking about like one of the fountains at Albert Park or at Ropna Park, that are sometimes on and sometimes off. It's talking about a natural fountain, a spring of water that just keeps on going. It says that's like the never-ending, life-giving power that comes from knowing God. If you put your trust in anything else, it will ultimately fail you. Your talents, your success at work, your career, how much money you've got in the bank. Look, these aren't necessarily bad things, but they are bad substitutes for God. A God who is powerful and kind and that you can always, always trust in. So a few hundred years after this proverb, Jesus is talking to a woman at a well. And we read about it in one of the Gospels. And he's kind of trying to explain to her the type of life that comes from following him. And he, and he says to her, look, see this water in this well. Look, if you... It doesn't matter how much you drink of it, you'll be thirsty again at some point. 
But when I come into someone's life, it's like a water supply that won't run out. Essentially saying, look, the things you're looking to, to satisfy your thirst, he's not talking about water necessarily, the things you're looking to satisfy your thirst, the meaning in your life, won't last. They're faulty. They're bad substitutes. He's saying, look, the only thing that will satisfy your thirst for meaning is me. See, this is the root of the human problem. We've turned and we've found replacements for God. We've put them, in the, we've put them as highest place in our lives. See, that's the heart of our brokenness, our rejection of God and putting other things in higher place. Okay, so you might be thinking, well, why are you talking about this on this baby Thanksgiving day? Fear of the Lord, fountain of life, a strong fortress. Okay, let me address parents for a moment. especially the parents we've had up this morning, if you are like any of the other parents in this room, you will want the best for your child. I'm not talking about the best clothes or the best toys or the best education. I'm talking about you will probably want that which will best help them through life. Here is what you really need to know. The pressure is off to be the coolest parent. Is that, is that good? It's yeah. good. The pressure, the pressure is off to be the smartest parent. I won't offend anyone with that one. The pressure is off to be that parent that naturally finds it a joy to be up at 3am in the morning because your baby needs feeding. I just find it such a joy every time. The pressure's off. The pressure's off to be that parent who never forgets anything for school each day. You're simply called to be overwhelmed by the love Jesus has for you. And you're called to create an atmosphere in your home where your kids know that. Where they're drawn into that, where they're invited in to that. And you're called to parent your children through the strength that comes from God. And as I've said this morning, hey, do you know, you have help with that. You have help from family, from friends. You have help from this church family. As a church family, we we get to know and experience the goodness of God together. Because you're not meant to do it on your own. We strengthen one another and ultimately get our strength from God. See, parenting is going to change you. It is. It's going to change you in all sorts of ways. And parenting is likely to affect how you view God. How you fear him. 
Let me tell you about a man called Francis Chan. Francis was born in Hong Kong in the late 1960s. His mother died giving birth to him. The only affection he can remember receiving from his dad lasted about 30 seconds when he was on his way to his stepmother's funeral, age nine, and his dad put his arm around him. And eventually they moved to the US, and it was never a good relationship. The only other physical touch he remembers from his dad was beatings for being disobedient or even just bothering his dad. And when Francis was 12, his dad died. He says he cried, but he also felt, in a way, relieved. And he grew up, and he married, and he had his own children. And when his children were born, he says that his own love for them and his desire for their love was so strong that it opened his eyes to how much God desired and loved him. And he said, through this experience, I came to understand that my desire for my children is only a faint echo of God's great love for me and for every person he made. And where does Francis say that this, where does he say that we see the climax of that love for us? He says we see it in the Bible, in an event recorded in the Bible, where God gave his son, Jesus, to die on a cross in our place. Do you know, it's at that moment when we see how sinful and broken we are, yet how passionately loved we are. As Jesus dealt with sinful and broken lives and gives us new ones. And Francis Chan went on to write a New York Times bestseller book called Crazy Love. And the strap line to that book really does take us back to the fear of the Lord. The strap line was this, overwhelmed by a relentless God. See, I think that's exactly what Raj was pointing to this morning during our worship when he talked about that father going after that lost son. Relentlessly welcoming him home. Overwhelming him with love. And so as we finish, I just want to ask you this this morning. I want us all to think about this. Have you experienced this love that God wants you to know? Have you seen 
that he is fearfully beautiful. Have you seen that Jesus giving his life on the cross for you and I shows how sinful and broken you and I are, yet how magnificently loved. Have you realized that he wants to become your strong fortress? That he wants to become the one that enables you to stand in the difficulties of life. So what I'd want to say to you this morning is if you're still saying, you know, I'm not there yet. I couldn't say yes to all those things. But, you know, I want to find out more. Then can I encourage you? Why don't you come on our Alpha course? Starts next Sunday night. It starts here. What have you got to lose? A few Sunday evenings, a few missing whatever's on telly, for a few nights but you have so much to gain or maybe it's do you know I need to I need to find a church community to build into to come along to hey we would love it to be here but I, I need to I need to find somewhere where I can build into a church family Perhaps that's what you need to do. But for all of us, I want to encourage us and stir us to be overwhelmed by his magnificent, relentless love for you and for I. Let's pray. Father God, we... We come before you now and we are so aware of our our need for you. We're so aware of perhaps where we put things as substitutes before you. And we want to ask, would you captivate our hearts with who you are? Be overwhelmed by your greatness. Be in awe of your goodness. Would you captivate our hearts afresh this morning? And I pray for anyone here who's still just kind of searching things out, still wanting to ask more questions, perhaps still wanting to look a little bit deeper, as perhaps at this moment just saying, Lord, I want to make a step towards you whatever that means. Lord, I pray, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you show them your great love for them? And that we would all live in the fear of the Lord, the right fear of the Lord knowing your closeness, knowing your power, but knowing we are so wonderfully loved and that you are with us. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.
We're going we're gonna to end by singing and being in awe of this one.